When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello everybody and welcome to the 72nd episode of the longest tenured Nuggets podcast hosted from Panchova, Serbia. Welcome to the Serbian Corner. My name is Miroslav Cuk and let me tell you, there's a tournament happening during this NBA regular season with a very catchy name, in-season tournament, and it is in full swing. Nuggets already played three out of their four group stage games, two of which were this week. Before the real stop stuff started, they did go to Houston and have one of their random Sunday afternoons in Houston in November. So, of course, they lost the, that game by three points. In a game, his DTNS Nikola Jokic recorded 36, 21, and 11 and was plus 12. It was a game in which the bench players made four, four field goals. So, maybe that had something to do with it. In all seriousness, the Rockets look real good this season. It was their fifth or sixth win in a row, so it wasn't that bad of a loss, actually. Then the LA Clippers came to town. It was a weird game. No Jamal, MPJ not feeling it from the the outside, just 10 points in the game, and Jokic missed 15 shots from the field. If this were any other team, we'd just call it a bad night and concede an L, but Aaron Gordon chipped in 25-5, and Reggie added 18 points, and the bench combined for whooping 22 points. We've seen the first real minutes of Jalen Pickett, and those were pretty pretty good, but let's not kid ourselves. The Clippers are really, really bad right now. At last, last night, the Nuggets traveled to New Orleans to play at the Smoothie King Center. Guys, I understand teams need sponsors, but this is getting ridiculous. Smoothie King... Now, I didn't watch this game live. When I woke up, I saw they lost to the team that didn't have McCollum, Larry Nance, and also Nuggets killer Jose Alvarado, and thought this was the first bad loss of the season. But when I actually watched it, sure, there were some bad moments, especially on defense, but in reality, there were so many missed three-point shots, especially by the non-KCP starters. Five out of 25 by those four guys. And Michael Porter's misses felt like backbreakers every time the Nuggets were making a run. I'm really sorry, I won't use this phrase ever again. The Nuggets spoiled another epic Jokic performance, and now they're 9-3. and three. But more importantly, they now don't have control over going to the elimination round of the mid-season tournament. And if the Pelicans win their last game against the lousy Clippers, they will secure the final eight spot, even if Denver wins against the surging Rockets in their last group stage game. And getting one of those Western Conference wild cards, actually there's only one there, is going to be really difficult. I love how intense this is. It has real FIBA basketball vibes. Good job, NBA. Okay, that's enough ranting from me. Let me introduce my panel for today. First... A debutant to this show, a former co-host of the Nuggets Europe podcast, it is also a huge fan of Avs, Broncos, Rockies and Rapids, calling from just outside of London, UK, it's Brad Kay. Welcome to the show, Brad. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you again. It's been a while. <laughs> it's, it's been like, <laughs> I, I'm not sure how, how years. many years. I, I don't want to say three years. I, I kind of think... No, I think it has been three years. Show, I think... like, 
Yeah, maybe two, two and a half years ago. <laughs> I cannot remember. Mm. I, I know we have Dev Johnson with us <laughs> the last time we were together. So That's yeah, right. we, we have to we have to do it again sometimes. So tell me, Definitely. I know you're a family man living in Europe. Well, <laughs> outside of European Union, just like Serbia. <laughs> How did you manage to celebrate the Nuggets Championship live in such difficult circumstances? Yeah, the family was very kind, to be fair. They let me have a nice lay-in after the last game, so that was fun. But um, yeah, my partying wasn't as wild as it would have been when I was younger and didn't have kids. Um, but no, it was, it was great to see the Nuggets finally get something on the board. Um, after all the years we've been speaking part of Nuggets Europe, it was nice to finally get the victory, because we all thought it might happen, but a bit slower than we thought, maybe. But uh, And here we are. Yeah, we, we had to endure some some uh, uh, seasons, <laughs> but but finally we, we 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 came up. Okay, next we have a returning offender, a guy who is equally interesting to listen to when he speaks about Nikola Jokic's dominance through the numbers and about the Akira Kurosawa motion pictures. Welcome back, Jordan Scott. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Pretty good. As I told you out of the program, I, I should just stop playing basketball right before the podcast because it's 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 really damaging to my body i i need some time to to heal up i guess so jordan since you're my only guest from the states today i have to ask you this is a new concept in u.s pro sports how do you feel about the in-season tournaments so far i'm enjoying it it feels like the games are a lot more competitive than we we often get this time of year so i i Enjoy that because we're getting better basketball. So <laughs> that's why last night's defeat was so devastating. Not because you know you, you've lost a regular season game, but you actually jeopardized the the, the in season tournament chances. So that sucks. And and you you sh- you should believe us. It, us in Europe, we've been through that so many times before. When you have just one more win to to clinch that that quarterfinal spot or whatever it is and you lose it and it's like oh man like all the good games before that doesn't matter at all okay so last but not least probably the biggest nuggets fan from valencia spain and also the chief editor of one of the biggest real madrid sites called managing madrid rounding up this europe heavy lineup it's lucas navaret lucas welcome back to the show Hey Miroslav, thanks, thanks. Happy to be back. Although you know the vibes could be better. <laughs> they are not immaculate <laughs> after the last three days, but happy to be back anyway. Yeah, we have to suffer a bit, but I hope we'll we will be able to end up on on a on a high note, definitely yeah. this time around. So I knew you are a true basketball aficionado when I discovered how much you like Nikola Jokic, since there's this big rivalry between Serbian and Spanish basketball mm-hmm. where there there have been 30 years of Yugoslav dominance followed by 20 years of Spanish one that's why i find extremely difficult to root for spanish players outside <laughs> of our boy Wancho. there there has been so much pain you know recently so were the nuggets the main reason you embraced nikola or did nikola make the nuggets more appealing to you Oh no! I was a Nuggets fan all the way in when when Jokic uh, started playing in in Denver. So it's, it was just also his uh, his style of play. Like having played basketball myself years ago, you know, I could obviously uh, kind of identify myself with the slow, non-athletic guy. Obviously, not with his technical ability and all that, but you know, you can you can definitely feel that. Hey, this is something that maybe. <laughs> Athletic-wise, I could do on the, on the basketball court just if I was more talented. You know, it, it didn't seem impossible for me to 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 do what he did. Obviously, on a technical again on a technical perspective, it's definitely way tougher. But yeah, it's, uh, I started loving Jokic because he played for the Nuggets. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, I I couldn't agree uh, more with you because how can I identify with LeBron when he's superhuman? Exactly. Like, like, show me somebody that I could at least. You know, pretend uh, I I can look like eh, not really, but <laughs> maybe 20 years ago. I don't know. Okay, so let's dive into what happened last week. So 
Nuggets had a pretty bad week for their highest standards. They went one and two, and that win over the Clippers felt much better before the Pelicans game. Winning ugly is important, but the Clippers kind of suck, so I don't know how much credit the Nuggets should get there. Let's start with the first game, the game in Houston. So Nuggets lost despite Nikola posting that crazy stat line, 36-21-11, and Michael Porter having his best offensive game of the season with 25-10. and 10. Bench scored a total of eight points. Christian Brown disappeared, P. Watt and Strutter too. So Jordan, what was in your opinion the main reason for this loss? Um, I mean, a lot of it, I mean, obviously the bench was struggling. It it seems like they just don't have an identity without Jamal out there running the offense. Um, but ultimately, like, we're seeing a lot of what we saw last year with the benches. They're not hitting shots on the road. Like, we're not getting production from them on the road. Yeah. Brett, do you have any recollection of this game in in ways of why why it happened? I don't know. It's a difficult one to say. I mean, the benches were struggling, and it's, I mean, Braun had a good game. We'll, I know we'll come back to the Pelican game. Also, he had 25 points off the bench, but, I mean, it's been pretty brutal, the rotation so far. I mean, Jokic goes off and it goes to pot, which isn't exactly where you want to be. Um, obviously, missing Jamal is massive. It seems that it just makes everything click. I, I just, from, a, from an eye view, the defence looks good, but I, I just, Seems to lack a bit of intensity to me. I don't. I don't know if it's just that stage of the season, or I don't know. Maybe someone's got a better idea than me, but it just seems a bit lacking. Lucas, did you find Michael Malone not managing this game perfectly, or is it just you know sometimes you need to to lose in Houston? The Houston one, I didn't have a big problem with uh, with the Houston one. It's it was not a an appealing loss, if you will. Like not many silver linings you can find there for sure. But on the other hand, what what frustrates me about these uh, last two losses to to Houston and 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 also to to the Pelicans is the fact that you know back in back in the day when when the Nuggets were losing games early in the season against quote-unquote, manageable opponents. It was because Jokic was not taking the game very seriously. You could feel like he was kind of saving himself for the later stages of the season. And I don't think that's been the case in, at all so far. It's quite the opposite, if I'm being honest. This is the fact that he hasn't been getting any help from his teammates. So in the Houston one, it was frustrating. It was frustrating to see how how poor the defense was on the, on the last few minutes of the game. Obviously, Jeff getting those rebounds and getting easy lanes and easy way to the to the to the bucket to to score so to me it was maybe one of the worst performances from from MPJ from a defensive standpoint one of those where you can actually see that hey maybe he still has some way to go defensively before we can actually say he's going to be reliable there uh, at all times and for and forever from now on so but Particularly, I didn't. I didn't find anything particularly worrying in that game, other than the obvious thing, which is obviously the bench. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. So, second game versus the Clippers was actually insane. No Jamal, Joker shooting eight out of twenty-three from the field. Porter had only ten points, but then Aaron Gordon chipped in with, you know, uh, what was it, twenty-five and five. Reggie Jackson with. 18, and they willed the team to a win. Oh, and Joker actually was 14 of 14 from the free throw line with 16 rebounds and 9 assists. So, Brad, did you think this was an impressive win for the Nuggets facing adversity, or are the Clippers just a mess? It's kind of a 50-50, really. I mean, the Clippers are a mess. But I don't think they've got a real identity. I mean, they brought in Harden and he's been terrible. I mean, I think I've lost all. Is it all five that he's played in so far? And yeah, they they got their done. first one yesterday. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I missed yesterday. But um, yeah, I mean, they they don't really have any identity. They seem like a team of three superstars and nothing else really. Um, but yeah, I mean, we we ground in. It wasn't the most fluid performance we've had ever, but it was. I mean, a good win. Any win's a win, right? So. But yeah, the Clippers aren't great, right? 
<laughs> so Jordan, th there was some talk uh, from the from the Altitude crew last night. They mentioned Clippers at one point, and uh, Katie was kind to say that they have four superstars. They're trying to align stuff like that. And you know, Chris Marlowe was was patient. He was listening to what, to what she had to say. And at, at the end, she said, well, they did lose six in a row. <laughs> like they're not yeah. that great. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> was it the Nuggets or was it just the Clippers? Um, I do think it was a good win for the Nuggets because I kind of saw some improvement from LA in that game. Like it wasn't good by any means for them, but it was better. And like, I think we could see them roll off some wins here because um, it's not like they don't have talent. They definitely do. Um, and especially now with Westbrook going to the bench and giving them a little more diversity in that starting lineup and the, you know, the style of play. Um, I think that'll help them quite a bit. So I do think we saw them starting to come back and Denver had to really actually perform to get the job done. Lucas, how the fuck did they win this game? <laughs> I think Tyron Lue made a big mistake by keeping Zubac out of the out of the lineup in those last few minutes. I think he made a big mistake there. They were obviously helpless, and I understand. I I, I listened to to what Adam Adam and the other guys had to say in the post game show, saying that you know sometimes it's it's worth trying different things and the uh, tiny lineup, tiny tiny ball lineup. It's worth trying maybe that against Jokic. In fact, you can actually argue the fact that it it might work because he missed some some bunnies there. He struggled offensively a little bit. But on the other hand, you know, it, it seemed to me like he had a very clear idea of what to do and how to attack that, that lineup. So I don't think Tyron Lue helped his team in those last few minutes, although obviously Thubac is possibly not the answer to Jokic either. But, you know, I think he kind of shot himself in the foot a little bit. Okay, before we get to the last night's game, let's let's take one short break. Don't go anywhere. Okay, we are back. I hated the game last night. I mean, I enjoyed Joker dismantling the Pelicans' defense with his passing, but so many open trees missed by the starters. Najee Marshall hitting every shot in key moments, I felt. Ingram playing bad basketball, but hitting every shot at the end. And then that second-to-last possession with KCP semi-open three, followed by wide-open threes by Reggie and Gordon, down three. That was a rough watch. Lucas, what are your main takeaways from this game? The main one is that the intensity, as, as Brad says, for the Houston game, the intensity there on, on the first two quarters, the first half, was just not there from Denver. You could, you could definitely see, uh, sense as, uh, the urgency from the Pelicans, they were pushing like crazy every time they had the ball and Denver were kind of struggling. In fact, I was very surprised to see that Denver kind of survived the first quarter because on I, uh, the eye test was pretty terrible for the Nuggets on that first quarter, I thought. And the fact that they only went down like five or six points after after those first 12 minutes was kind of surprising to me because, you know, it was it was tough to watch them like running after the nuggets every single time getting easy layups easy easy two point conversions on the on the paint so it was it was tough to watch and to me it, it's clear that the nuggets kind of dig themselves too big of a hole during that first half for them to to climb back and it's obviously sad to see and to waste a game like the one Christian Brown had. Obviously, Jokic put on a masterpiece there, but we were kind of screaming for Christian to, to improve a little bit. We got our prayers uh, answered in that regard, and we wasted a big game from him. Hopefully, it still helps him in the in the future with, uh, with a bit of a confidence boost in that regard. Jordan, I was too annoyed to re-watch the game. I, I kind of wanted to see how many layups or around the rim baskets Jokic made with his 18 assists last night because there were not a lot of threes, right? No, I mean, they were, I think somebody said they had like uh, the first like 40 points in the game for both from both teams were in the lane or like wow. in the paint. Just like every, like I think the Pelicans scored on their first 11 possessions. Like it was just, everything was easy for them, right? Right in the bucket and Jokic was getting easy looks for his guys. But um, honestly, they, survived that crazy run from 
the Pelicans, and then uh, Malone went full bench, and things kind of fell off the fell off the rails a bit. <laughs> and you never go full bench, right? You never go full bench, <laughs> not with Yamal anyway. <laughs> Maybe with Reggie, you can uh, at least give it a, a try for two three minutes. But now yeah. that Reggie is a starter, oof. yeah, Re- Reggie can bail you out with with three crazy shots. Exactly. And you know, make make it make it a zero run uh, out of three or five minutes. Brad, I'm always annoyed when there are some starters or rotation guys missing from the team, like mm-hmm. New Orleans had, and everybody just assumes that they will lose because of it. It's I, I mean, they're replaced with by NBA players, not by people from the street. So, yeah. did it feel to you like the other guys that got the chance because of the missing guys had some extra motivation in the game? Yeah, I think you could argue that, definitely. Like, I think they definitely, as we've said, I mean, everyone was hitting shots left, right and centre. I, I didn't see what percentage was, but it was. It seemed crazy at one point. I, I mean, we're talking about the bench as well, and I mean, what was Naji had, what, four minutes and was minus 10 or 11? I mean, I mean he's got a, something's got to click for him because at the moment it's just awful. It's just he's got nothing going. And... And I mean, we've, we've already touched on MPJ. I mean, you can handle a little bit of his defensive liabilities when he's pinging freeze left, right, centre, but he's not even doing that at the moment. So it's worry, worrying. That second unit is very worrying at the moment. Yeah, I, I guess the, Jamal the... back soon, right? Apparently, the talk is that he's been practicing. So that's we'll see. We'll see. Right I, I guess. I guess you can say there can be only one Naji, and it was Naji Marshall this time around. <laughs> so it's it's just frust- frustrating that one of the Pelicans guys have to have the his career game against the Nuggets every time. But yeah. <laughs> what's he gonna do? But it's yeah. the NBA. Okay, let's let's now dive into some rotation stuff. So the Houston game was the last one when we saw Colin Gillespie in the rotation. And I don't think he did anything wrong necessarily. It's just that they couldn't do much on either end of the court with him on the floor. Pickett played in the last two games. It was a mixed bag so far. Some great, some not so great minutes. So Jordan, would you stick with the J- with Jalen going forward until Jamal returns from injury, or do you see a different path for the bench? I mean, I think uh, you know, sorry, better said non Jokic minutes. That's the best. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I honestly think you almost have to just because like Colin may have been better, slightly better for the offense, but like he might as well not have been out there on defense. He's just too small. Uh, Pickett at least has mass, <laughs> like he's a big guy and he can, uh, he, he knows how to use his, his size too on defense. Um, and frankly, I think he has more potential to make plays happen as opposed to just kind of manage an offense. Um, Colin's a good game manager, I think, as a point guard, but I don't know. I think Pickett has some of that. I can make something out of nothing. We haven't seen it much yet at this level, but that's kind of his game. So, so Brett, would you prefer to see Pickett again handling the, the bench lineup at least for a few minutes? Or would you maybe prefer to see Reggie subbed out earlier? And like have Christian Brown and no point guards with Jokic for a couple of yeah. minutes, and then have Reggie uh, uh, working with you, the bench. You know, we haven't seen we haven't seen Justin Holiday yet, and that's, that's a bit of an odd one for me. I mean, a bit of a veteran presence, and maybe add something different just to mix it up a little bit and take a bit of pressure off of someone. But then again, I don't know. I don't know. Something needs to change though, and I don't know what. That's Mike, that's Mike Malone. That's why he's the highest paid coach right so, uh, apparently <laughs> i mean no one knows what the details are but yeah you know, that's his problem to worry about and us to talk about i think that's right Co- coach them, bro <laughs> lucas what are your feelings about Jalen? i would just if i were malone and i were the nuggets i would just punt on bench offense and just put the the best defensive lineup i could find for the bench for those two or three minutes that we need full bench until from until jamal comes back i would just assume the fact that denver is going to struggle and with the full bench lineup on offense and just put the best offensive lineup switch ability just prioritize that and that guy is probably pick it anyway so yeah i would just try to put the the best offensive uh, five lineup i could find uh, without Jamal and 
try to maybe score some transition opportunities now that Brown seems to have found uh, something going, at least uh, against the Pelicans. Maybe try to unleash uh, P. Watt in that in that regard with some transition buckets here and here and there. I think your best chance of kind of being a respectable unit is to punt on offense and just uh, try to put the best offensive uh, five you can find. Okay, I, I'm going to stay with you, Lucas, on, on this other question. We've seen Aaron Gordon playing the backup five a couple of times already in this season, and we haven't seen that at all last regular season. So is Malone panicking playing his main guys extending minutes? This early? I mean, I get it. Last night, Najee was a disaster. But do you think it's a necessity because they're so thin under the basket? Or, or maybe there need to be some more patience with the other guys? As poor as Zeke has been, I think Malone is reaching a little bit too far with uh, with Gordon's usage at the, at the backup five at the moment. I would... Again, I would probably stick with Naji because mainly because I don't, I just don't love this uh, Orlando Magic version of uh, of Gordon. You know, requiring him to create his own shot and re- needing him to to score uh, the way he's not accustomed to since, since he left uh, Orlando. So I would probably stick with Sheik as tough as as that seems to be in some games. I would just try to remember that sometimes he still is playable, like in the game against Memphis, for example, you know, sometimes his hustle and his uh, his work ethic bails you out in a couple of positions. And again, just obviously Aaron Gordon is like a great defensive player, but I think maybe he the fact that he's playing the backup five at the moment with the bench unit, maybe he's taking a little bit of his focus away in terms of what he needs to do when he's on the court. So I would just... For again, obviously, for a very short peri- period of time, but I would probably stick to to seek and try to get some defensive stops here and there. So, Jordan, I have a tongue in my cheek when I ask you this. This is not a genuine take, but but <laughs> did Malone really know he has Aaron Gordon as a backup five as a perfect option for the playoffs last year, or did he discover that by accident in the playoffs, and now he's using it because now he knows it works. Well, I'm trying to remember. I feel like we saw it briefly in like January in a couple super of those briefly, yes, yeah, yeah. But briefly, like yeah. they were in a couple of those games where like the bench looked great, and it was I think somewhat because they had Aaron Gordon at the five, and it was just so switchable. I think he just he noticed that and was like, oh, okay, that's our playoff thing. <laughs> um, but it, you need another scorer out there. I think somebody who can make it easier on him and not put the pressure on him to be the number one option. Because again, he can do that, just not well. Like he could be the number one option, just not very efficiently. <laughs> I can rely. I can rely on that option when when Jamal comes back. I have no problem. Mm-hmm. But when when Jamal yeah. still hasn't recovered, uh, I I just again I just punt on on offense and just uh, try to get some stops. <laughs> Which I obviously Gordon can help in that regard. But on the other hand, maybe the balance isn't there because it, he's taking away some of his focus again. Okay, Brad. MPJ is shooting 12 of 38 for 31% from the three-point line in the last five games. What's your level of concern for his shot? High for me, because he's got such a high ceiling of what kind of player he can be. That's a big drop-off from where he can be. That's huge. That's incredible. That's a lot of points left out there as well. That's that's, a, that's for me is probably the biggest concern I have at the moment, apart from the bench. I mean, ignore the second unit, let's ignore that for now. But that's from our starters, that's the biggest problem I think we've got at the moment. Lucas, can you see anything different regarding his shot? Are this, are they the same shots he's always taking? I mean, last night he had two three pointers. One was in perfect rhythm, you know, inside out from 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 Jokic. It was a perfect shot. And the other one was a completely crazy one from the from the wing, and it went in. But all the other ones looked pretty normal for his standards, and they were just going in and out. Yeah, you can obviously say that maybe, again, the ankle is still bothering him a little bit. And this, that's what he's saying. I don't know how much that would affect a pure 
jump shooter like him, but if he's kind of able to find that excuse personally for himself, that's good because it would it might not affect his confidence as much. Like if he was feeling perfectly fine with his body, maybe he has an extra point to be concerned, right? If he's not feeling well, maybe he can find that release in the way that, oh, I'm not feeling fine with my ankle. As, as long as I'm feeling fine, as I recover properly, my shot will be back. The frustrating thing about it is that like you cannot find the perfect package of MPJ just yet, right? He's doing all the right things with his cuts, with his defense, and now the only thing that you know he was so relied upon with what which uh, was his shooting is is missing. He's doing all the right things, pushing all the right buttons on offense. He's cutting his his shot, shot selection is fine. He's playing defense. He's playing hard. He's not being selfish. <clears throat> he's passing to his teammates and all that. So it's just a matter of him now finding a few extra three-pointers for for us to really have an unleashed, finally an unleashed version of MPJ. Like, he, what is his average now without Jamal? Is he averaging close to 20? If he were, like, really hitting his usual percentage from, from the three-point line, he could be averaging, like, 25, 26 easily. Like, you can definitely find a few extra three-pointers in every single game. Like, you can definitely say hey, he's he's making that in a few months' time. So I think there's, there are positive signs about, about MPJ because I have to assume that his percentage will go up. So, Jordan, we know how important his length is to the to the Nuggets uh, aggregate length they have on defense and of course he's really useful on that side of the ball but when it's the pressure cooker when it's the clutch time maybe his cutting and his rebounding isn't as important like in the other times you you really need his shot to be wet when he's left open can you see Malone putting in a Christian Brown in instead of him for closing lineups if this you know slump continues? No. Not that he's a great shooter, it's yeah, just uh, I, I don't look. see it. I, I think as much as I think Christian Brown is a great defender, I don't think he brings the same things on that side of the ball as MPJ does. Like you said, just the sheer length. Um and frankly he's MPJ has just a really like he's a really smart like recovery defender like getting back to his guy and like I just, you don't see that as much from Christian Brown because he doesn't have to but like it's something <laughs> different from what the other guys have but um, what about Michael's rebounding I think that's a that's that's a low key thing that really helps the team obviously with Gordon and Jokic that's not a massive uh, point of emphasis because both Gordon and Jokic rebound the ball pretty well but I think that he's he's doing the right things again with his rebounding as well so again just a few shots here and there in every game and he could be having a, a very very uh, bright season yeah well and let's not forget that like game five of the finals he couldn't shoot the whole series but he right. was probably the second best player in that game five yeah. like he was despite not being able to shoot like he was really good and helped win that game so. yeah yeah it's it's a really cool story and just let uh, ask let's ask the basketball gods to to give him his shot back <laughs> like like those what, what is it called from the from the uh, Michael Jordan what? movie? The monsters need to ah, the monsters. give him give him yeah. back his powers. Yeah. Well, if, if it makes you feel any better, I looked up his splits by month, and he as a for his career shoots thirty three percent from three in November. So maybe oh. it's just a November thing. So. <laughs> maybe also added the fact that he missed the preseason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and look, it's important to him though because I mm-hmm. you can definitely sense that he takes a lot of pride in his shooting ability, and that's what makes him enjoy the game, right? I mean, he <laughs> he's obviously very useful with his length defensively. His cuts are on point most of the time. He dunks here and there. Obviously, those dunks are obviously fun, but uh, you can definitely sense that he knows his shot is missing and he knows it's starting maybe to get into him the fact that he's missing mm-hmm. some wide open shots so he'll be he'll be i'm i'm guessing he'll be fine i'm i'm not worried about it yes okay let's let's take one more short break and then we'll go into some other stuff don't go anywhere all right it is time to give reggie jackson his flowers so 
he stepped into the starting lineup after Jamal's injury, and he has been excellent. In his last four games, he is averaging 16.5 points, almost four assists, and was a plus in plus-minus column in both wins, despite having to lead non-Jokic minutes from time to time. Lucas, we knew Reggie was a very productive NBA player several years ago, but the main concern was always his fit on a read-and-react team like the Nuggets. Is Reggie in your circle of trust already? Yes, yes. And I was higher on his signing than most. I get the concerns that, you know, his shot selection, his uh, IQ maybe on offense not being there and all that. But I, I always found him to be like, a, as you mentioned, a, a productive player, a very useful player at the NBA level. So I was higher on on his signing last year and than most and also this season when when the Nuggets decided to give him that that extension so I trust him I trust him obviously he will make some mistakes here and there because he's not used to not being a creator on offense he can be kind of chaotic offensively time to time with careless with the ball careless with his shot selection so he has to make some progress there i'm guessing that he will be better and obviously when he's uh, back into into the bench he i think he can be wonderful for that bench lineup mm. like doing what he does best uh, scoring the ball and and worrying about the rest instead of kind of him trying to find a role in the Jokic led offense. So I, I trust him. I will, I, I have always been, I wouldn't say a fan, but, but, uh, uh, Reggie Jackson appreciator, if you will. I, I've always kind of liked him. I, I actually liked his, uh, pick and roll chemistry with Drummond back in the day in the Pistons day, right? And obviously it didn't work for Detroit very well, but you know, he had some, some things going there with, with Drummond. So I, I think he can be very useful. So, Brad, were you surprised how well he works with Jokic? A, a little, yeah. I, I think I think he's fitted in quite nicely and smoothly. And I think the only thing that I've had a bit of an issue with him has been the turnovers. Uh, yeah. I, think, I think we're going back to the IQ thing. The turnovers have been really sloppy at times and semi-crucial in parts of the game when you kind of just want him to keep it a little bit low-keyer than he is, trying to be probably a little bit too clever, maybe. I don't know, maybe not, but maybe that's going back to the IQ side of things. But um, but no, he's. I think he's fitted in nicely. And I mean, started off, and I think you're right, in the starting rotation moment, he's been pretty solid. So. Jordan, uh, Reggie's a guy that's really, uh, you know, easy to root for, being mm-hmm. a Colorado guy and being so humble. His interviews, he's never putting him in, in the in the front seat, in, in the in the driving seat, as, as Paul George likes to say. He's always, you know, giving flowers to Jokic and the system built mm-hmm. around him. It's like we just need to to follow his lead and everything will be will be perfect. But I, I'm guessing you were nervous about Reggie being a kind of a wild card before we actually saw it work. Well, yeah, because, I mean, we saw it not work last year. So, obviously, him, uh, it was a bit of a wild card, but I just liked what I heard from him. Like, I thought a cool moment was uh, on Media Day was when he and Justin Holiday were at the table. They had the trophy there, and they were kind of commenting on it. And Justin's just like, oh, man, it's cool to be this close and everything. And Reggie's kind of acting in awe, too. He's like, man, you won that. He's like, I didn't do anything. Like, he's still hungry. <laughs> like, he wants to be part of, he wants to contribute to a title. Like, he's got a ring, but I don't think it feels satisfying because he yeah, didn't really get to contribute. Yeah, he's like, thank you guys for giving me this yeah. ring, and now I'm going to try to to repay you. But but Lucas, it really looks like this is this is the kind of basketball he always wanted to play and just didn't have a chance to do, you know, because of his previous teams. I don't know. I wouldn't go as far as saying that because... He had other opportunities to be a, a pure point guard, if you will, in, in his career. And he kind of always wanted to do his own thing, right? By leaving Oklahoma first, then in, in Detroit, again, it wasn't a very efficient basketball, even though that pick and roll thing was, was working. So I wouldn't go as far as saying that. I would just say that he was a very good player, man, when he was at, at his peak. He was, like, really good. Like, Oklahoma had to trade him because he was he was way better than, than a six-man. So now that he's a veteran, now that he kind of, you know, his best days are, are behind him, I think he's being smart enough to realize that 
this is no longer about me doing stuff, but rather than fitting in and being useful, and I can be useful. So much credit to him. Uh, I'm not entirely sure about whether or not this is the style of basketball he's always wanted to play, whether as, you know, you can definitely sense that about a player like Gordon, for example, right? I'm not entirely sure that's the case with, with Jackson, other than him maybe acknowledging the fact that what made him great in the past he cannot rely on that anymore at this stage of his career. But he was a very good player in the past, and he's been smart enough now to realize that, hey, in order for me to contribute on a, on a winning team, this is what I got to do, so I'm willing to do it. And definitely a lot of credit goes to him. Yeah, I agree. So, Brad, after last night, Jokic is averaging 29.7 points, 14.1 rebounds, 9.2 assists. His raw plus minus after 12 games is plus 125. So the Nuggets won his minutes by 125 and lost minutes without him by 40. Harrison Wynn made a semi-joke saying that he likes the narrative that Nikola never played with an all-star player. But that's a cold hard fact. And I even feel with Jamal, even with Jamal back, it will be fair to say that any future accolades the Nuggets other guys will hopefully get are going to be based on huge team success and not really on the individual brilliance, at least in the regular season. I'm making a concerted effort to talk about Jokic in every show, even though he's <laughs> the only constant night in and night out. Yeah. Is there anything new you're seeing from him this season? No, not really. He's still God. I mean, he's the, he's the greatest basketball player at the moment. I mean, uh, you can say what you like. He's just unbelievable. Has he changed too much? Yeah. Everything still flows through him. Still putting on points. Still playing minutes. We we look terrible when he's not on the court. <laughs> not much else to say, really. I mean, he is what he is. <laughs> so, Jordan... Uh, the funniest thing to me is when I look at his, you know, 2016 highlights, he's doing the same stuff. <laughs> like, all the stuff he's doing now, he did it eight years ago. It's just that he's a bit better in every facet of, of the game. And, of course, he's reading the game even better, especially, you know, opposition actions. He always tells his guys what to do and what what's going to happen after the, the timeout. But... Is there a, a, a palpable thing that you can say, okay, but we haven't seen this before? Um, I mean, I'm. it's early still in the season, but he's taken a lot of threes compared to what he normally does. I didn't, I mean, he's not hitting them yet, but that's something I always kind of thought he picked his spots in. He didn't want to be, become reliant on it, but if he can start getting those to fall and still shoot him at the five plus a game range, like he kind of has been like, that's going to make him even more unguardable. But um, I mean, I don't, he's just the ultimate problem solver. Like he's just, he comes into the league and he's got to figure out the size and the athleticism and he did. And then, Oh, now they have counters for him. Cause he's on the scouting report. Okay. I'll figure out counters to that. And this is where he is. Like he just keeps solving the problems. So. So, Lucas, why do you think he is taking so many trees this year? I'm not entirely sure, but about your previous question to the to the two guys, to Jordan and, and Brad, I would say that the one thing, the one new thing I've seen from him is that he's taking every game very seriously now. Even the first five games of the season, like you were not seeing this from him in the past. You were seeing kind of slowly getting in shape, getting in condition, getting his focus, getting everything together. And then he would become great after December, January, usually. Obviously, he was great anyway. He was pretty much averaging a triple-double anyway, but definitely not this kind of uh, of focus. Like, we're seeing pretty close to playoff Jokic by November already. And this is something we were not accustomed to to seeing in the past. Like, his, the performances he's putting now are again pretty close to what he was doing in the playoffs last uh, last season and that's that wasn't usual back in the day with Jokic in in November I don't think my favorite comment of his is when 
when reporters ask him about his increase in production in playoffs, and he was always like, "Well, of course, I play more minutes. It's it's linear. <laughs> it's 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 very normal. Like, yes, sure, I'm not playing against you know Detroit anymore, but yeah, it's the same kind of basketball. What, what you gonna do? But he never started a season." this deep into it averaging more than 25 points per game he's now at 30 so he realizes that the game is easy to him it's not like i need to do this it's just that i can do this and why wouldn't we get some easy buckets here and there because we can so so it's that's the biggest difference to me he's asserting himself and he, I believe he doesn't feel like he's doing anything wrong. Like, yeah, of course I'm doing it because nobody can guard me. And yeah, sure. And when they stop and when they start doubling me and tripling me, then the guys will be free. And then I will have a 18 assist game against the Pelicans that we will lose. But yeah, watch you. Yeah, he's <laughs> finally become... And this is obviously a negative uh, interpretation of the word, but he's finally become a bit selfish on offense which i think we all wanted him to be at least for a, for a few portions of, of the last few seasons like hey man the most efficient way for us to get the win is if you take 25 shots a game stop playing stop passing for an open three to to a guy who isn't as efficient as you get to the bucket and we trust you to do that and, and that's the most efficient way we can find to get to get a win so i think he finally has come to realize and to acknowledge the fact that man sometimes you just have to give me the ball and, and get out of the way and that's the most uh, useful thing we can do in order to to get the w so i think finally we're we're seeing this asserted as you mentioned this finally asserted version of himself in the way that he f finally is playing like the best player in the nba with that kind of ego if you will like with kind of assertion in the game so Jordan, Murray out uh, as well, right? Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah sorry. sorry. What, what I was going to say with Murray out, I feel that he's mm -hmm. before he's yeah, kind of let absolutely. the others filter in, whereas now he's still said, "No, it's on me. Put it on my back, and I'll just do it," rather exactly. than trying to get everyone else to play. Yeah. yeah and Jordan, I, I do have a tinfoil hat on me, but when when Lucas says he finally has that uh, that selfishness to him, uh, is it just the fact that if I get more points at the beginning of the of the game? everything will open for my teammates and we will be better as a team. Um, I mean, I think to an extent that I think he also realizes that sometimes to win, he does have to be a little more selfish. Um, and ultimately, I mean, he said it the other day, winning is fun. Losing sucks. Like <laughs> he, he's got a taste of winning. And I, I think that's the biggest difference is he just doesn't want to give that up. So <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny that we quote that when he said, yeah, winning is fun as losing sucks. Like it's some kind of smart mantra. It's, it's a very basic <laughs> thing to say. It reminds me of a joke when a, when a person is looking for the smartest man alive and he, he found out that he lives in the Himalayas and he goes there and finally he meets him and asks him, please, oh, wise man, what is the meaning of the life? And he said, life is a river. And he asked him, what? Life is a river? And the wise man says, what, it isn't? <laughs> <laughs> like he, he wasn't sure. He, he, it was just uh, something he, he said. Okay, let's take one short break, and then we'll come back with some trivia game. Okay. I already mentioned that we are going to play a game that is called the three J's. So the three J's in this particular game are MJ, LBJ, or NJ. So Michael Jordan, LeBron James, or Nikola Jokic. I will give you a stat and you will tell me who is the all-time leader in that stat. And we will start with Brad. First stat. This player has the highest playoff PER in the NBA history. Is it MJ, LBJ, or Nikola Jokic? Got to be. 
That is correct. Yeah. Nikola Jokic is number one in this category with 29.02. Michael Jordan is at 28.6. George Mikan 28.51. And LeBron James is fourth with 27.94. Okay, Jordan, next question for you. This player has the highest playoff win shares per 48 minutes in the NBA history. So playoff win shares per 48. You know, you're throwing me off with the playoff ones. I haven't looked at those nearly as much. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know. It's more difficult. <laughs> um, I mean, it, I, I want to say it's Jokic, but it's him or Jordan. It's not LeBron, but I think it's Jokic. It is not Jokic, Lucas. It has to be Jordan then. I think. <laughs> it is. It is Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is 0. 0.5, uh, sorry, 0. 0.255. George Mikan again at number two, 0. 0.254. LeBron James, 0. 0.238. And Jokic is at the measly fourth place at 0. 0.235. He's behind LeBron. I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. have predicted that. Yeah. It is. It is. I think those two Jamal-less playoff yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sure. seasons really he was incredible in that Warrior series. So. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. Okay, Lucas. This player has the highest playoff box plus minus in the NBA history. Playoff. Ooh, has to be. I think box plus minus is like the best stat for Jokic. I have to go with Jokic there. I think that like, is... that's the best. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that is incorrect, Brad. Oh. It's not you. <laughs> See, I knew this one. <laughs> I've got a 50-50, then I'm let's go Jordan. Michael Jordan is correct. His playoff box plus minus is 11.1. Jokic is at 10.4. So oh, I guess far away. I think he can move past him this season. Yeah. And LeBron James is at 10.0. Okay, back to Brad. Brad. Okay, this is more difficult. This player has the most games with 28 plus points, 8 plus rebounds, 8 plus assists on 70 plus true shooting percentage in regular seasons and playoffs in the NBA history. So this is basically, before you answer, this is basically a LeBron stat, 28, 88. Yeah. Which, which player has the most such I'm, games? I'm going to say LeBron. At the high True shooting percentage of 70 plus. LeBron is not correct. Jordan. Well, if it's not LeBron, it's Jokic. Uh, the true shooting percentage, I'm sure, is what does it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I think true shooting is not the best friend of Michael Jordan because yeah. he shot a lot of long twos sure. yeah. back in the day. It was a different kind of, of basketball. It's still better than you would think. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was awesome. He was scoring like like 34 points per game on 54% from from field goal which is insane being a being a guard. Okay, next question goes to Jordan. And this player has the most consecutive games with 15 plus points, 5 plus rebounds, 5 plus assists on 50 plus field goal percentage regular season or playoffs in the NBA history. See, I think I'm wondering if you pulled the fast one and did like a different number than I remember, but I feel like Jokic did that last year. That is correct. Yeah. Nikola Jokic, Jokic has uh, 13 such consecutive games. Actually, Wilt Chamberlain is tied with him at 13, and Yanis has 11, LeBron James has 10. Now, I have to tell you one thing this is according to basketball reference or stat head. And I think this is actually incorrect because uh, because uh, Kubatko, the guy that was actually uh, the, the founder of Basketball Reference, actually put that Nikola has something like 20 such games or 20-something such games consecutive. There is, a, there is an error somewhere in the databases. So uh, take this with a grain of salt. Okay, I was going to say, because like 13 feel too low for Yeah, Yoke I think it was 15-5-5. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I, I, 
I cannot remember the last time he didn't reach those marks. I know the 50% field goal percentage is what probably kills it. But again, <laughs> I, I struggle finding a game, yeah. Yeah, it's, so shout out to Justin Kubatko who, who made this uh, more clear. Okay, last question. It is for Lucas. And it is, this player has the most regular seasons with a 10 plus box plus minus in NBA history. So the most regular seasons finished at 10 plus box plus minus. I'm going to say LeBron because of longevity. Not entirely sure, but I'm going with LeBron. That is incorrect. Brad. I'll go Nikola Jokic then. Nikola wow. Jokic is too young. That is not exactly. correct. Ah. Okay. Would have been crazy if, if, if you were Jokic like I'm ready to hand the... <laughs> Jordan's peak yeah. was crazy. He had like eight or nine years in a row where he got 10 plus like it was it's nuts like <laughs> he actually has seven such seasons but that's still uh, it's, it's not consecutive because you know he missed a couple yeah. of seasons uh mid mid that series but yes yeah, seven such seasons lebron actually has five and Nikola Jokic already has three and he's gonna get his fourth one this season for sure so he's closing in on those two guys Wow, guys, I, I'm so disappointed in myself. Yeah. I couldn't find a single one for LeBron. Oh, that oh, sucks. No. It's always Jordan or, or, or Jokic. Oh, what are you going to do? It's it's so sad. Well, I mean, you could have gone total points, but that just seems like a gimme. <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't want to give you gimmies, you know, like two. two That's because he wanted to get his teammates involved in Miami, Miroslav. No, no. <laughs> Yeah, that, that must be it. That must be it. Okay, guys, any any parting thoughts before we 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 go? I would like yeah. to know. I don't know if any of you know what happens if uh, if the Pelicans don't beat the Clippers and the Nuggets do beat the Rockets. What well, happens the Nuggets, there? Well, the Nuggets would be Nuggets the only three in one team then. Yeah, they would. They would yes, win because the, the Pelicans the already lost one. So. No, uh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, the other way around. If the Pelicans do beat the Clippers and the Nuggets win, beat the Rockets as well. That's a tiebreaker. How would that what work? I, what I've seen is it's head-to-head, -head, so the Pelicans would take it. Yeah, yes, but but the Nuggets will still have a chance to, to get the wild card if they're the best second-placed team out West. They'd and probably right have now, to beat the Rockets by a lot. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. yeah. So. And we will see. We will see. I'm so interested to see if Nikola Jokic would just get into that game saying to, to his guys, guys, we need to crush these, these fools tonight because it's it's NBA Cup, guys. This this is yeah. what we need. Just to, uh, a little bit short here since we're running out of time, Minoslav, since, and also Brad, since we're all Europeans, wouldn't you like this to be like uh, a two-way group in the sense like eight games would make more sense? Like a game at home against the Rockets than an away game against the Rockets. It would be longer for the in-season tournament, sure, but I think it would make more sense. And also the tiebreakers would be easy to figure out, right? Yeah, Instead yeah, yeah. of having I mean, those many teams with the same records. That would be cool, because, I mean, then you could potentially put it at, like, around Christmas where the tournament happens, which I exactly. think the NBA would love. So. Yeah. I think that's uh, the way to go, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I will go on a limb and say that this is something they're planning when the league expands to 32 teams. Then you could have like four groups of eight teams, and you can give seven games to to each, like round robin style, and you get seven seven regular season regular group stage games, and then you go into quarterfinals or even maybe like like top sixteen, maybe maybe go even crazier. Yeah, that would be fun because NBA doesn't have much to offer, you know, against football. You know, before the football season ends, so I'm I'm excited that they're trying out some new things. And you know, Lucas, you're a huge football or soccer fan, uh, working for the Real Madrid uh, site and and being a journalist. You know how exciting the cups are in Europe, and you you have even in in UK you have two different cups. You have the Liga Cup yeah. and then the FA, the FA Cup. Cup, and all of those things matter to to people because they want to say, yeah, we we haven't won any Premier Leagues ever, but we have like three League Cups, and that's something yeah. in, our, in our different history. vibe to the tournaments as yeah. well. Yeah, 
no knockout elimination games from the get from the get going both the Copa del Rey and also the FA Cup is great I think so yeah okay guys thank you I think I think we ended on a pretty high note for this, this depressing kind of <laughs> week for the Nuggets we hope to get some good news while the Nuggets continue their their road trip another four road trip games before the end of this one and before we get to that, I will leave you with just one message. Idemo nagetsi. <laughs>